0: Welcome to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone. So let's connect and heal our vibe within. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Thanks for coming through and hanging out. And we're going to have a really amazing time because you're tuning in to one of my all time favorite interviews that I've done. And it's a powerful one. It's really, it's really expansive and powerful. And I'm going to get right into explaining why. So today's episode is an interview that I had with Stacy Hoke. She has a YouTube channel called Empower She's a psychotherapist and certified empowerment coach. She does spiritual counseling and she is a self-help enthusiast. She's also a mother of five, and she's only 35 years old. So She is a powerful goddess woman who just speaks the damn truth. And the reason why I wanted to interview her on the podcast is because when I started listening and watching her YouTube videos, I instantly felt this, like, super strong connection to her because she fucking just speaks it raw. And she has no problem sharing her... Childhood trauma, the way that she was raised, and it's very, very inspiring because she is not your typical therapist. She has a really new age way of thinking, and she has a really fresh perspective on this whole reprogramming and deconditioning the mind and the whole love and light, letting go of the past thing. Um, She has a really cool perspective on it. And she just blew my mind. So we dropped in heavy and hard straight from the gate. So literally buckle up and get ready for this because it's a real and raw and it could be somewhat triggering um, this episode. But Stacy gets vulnerable as fuck and she shares very personal information about her upbringing and her family dynamic. And that's why she's such a powerful force. She's not your typical cookie cutter therapist and we talk about some heavy shit that really helped me realize that a lot of the trauma that I'm dealing with isn't even mine it's my parents my grandparents my ancestors we talk about the archetypes of mothers and fathers and toxicity in the patriarchy within narcissism and codependency like she has such a mind-blowing mind (laughs) just to like for lack of a better description, she's just so fucking cool. She's one of my expanders. Like, she is just, she's so real and honest that you feel so safe when you're talking to her about anything. Doesn't have, doesn't ma- matter how big or little the trauma is, she has a way with words. And that's probably why her YouTube channel is doing so well. Um, She speaks the cold hard truth in a very helpful and positive way and she helps her clients rewrite their stories in real ways and brings real ways of utilizing it all and integrating it into life. She talks about accepting the past instead of the pressure to release it and heal it which is what we're all kind of dealing with in this self-development world that we're living in. Everybody's like, you know, you're not your past. Let it go. Move forward. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, there's there's something to be healed there. And um, she has a really dope perspective on how we are all really into this self-development world, but Instagram is only of a way for us to see what we want to be instead of accepting who we are so she talks about how when we're children and go through trauma it doesn't feel like trauma until we are adults Uh, the trauma effect is when it settles in and, and then we're seeing the situations that occurred in our new perspective as an adult so That was really exciting to talk about because it's it's things that I didn't really take into into consideration. Um, She calls it a whiplash effect and she gets deeper into that, which is really, really interesting. Uh, I talked to her about my experience with how I'm an introvert now and how I feel isolated, which a lot of you guys have reached out to me and asked me, what do I do? Um, since I am in another spurt of spiritual solitude and uh, isolation. And this episode is literally for you. Like we talk deeply about that, how my past has somewhat tainted me and how becoming sober-ish has given me a new reality on how my toxic past with drugs and alcohol shaped me and and how now I'm healing and integrating myself back into society and she speaks openly about how isolation isn't bad. It's a form of discernment. And I love what she, what she gets into about that. Um, it was really, really helpful and gave me a new, a new way of, of thinking about it. And I realized that my, my perception of depression was kind of skewed and, and how depression can feel like you're walking around with an open wound. We get into that and how depression really just keeps us in our head and it makes us feel like everyone can tell that we're depressed, but really nobody can tell. We're just really deep in it and deep in in our head and um, yeah, it's really challenging, but she helps people realize that they are loved and they are worthy and her honesty is just so refreshing and it helped helped me a lot and Um, towards the end she gets pretty emotional and she cries and she shares a really personal story about her mother and about a, a perspective on Saturn return and the pressures that we go through as late 20s early 30s and to be honest you guys I listened to this episode twice before launching it because it was so powerful and I got new information from it each time and it's like it honestly is going to feel like a personal therapy session for you, even though it's just me and Stacy talking to each other. I feel like everything that I brought up, all the questions that I had for her are because you guys reach out to me and you ask me these same questions. So I really I really wanted to bring that into the interview and get some answers from someone who I feel like you guys are really going to resonate with. Um, She knows her shit. She's been around the block and she is young. And like I said, she has a new wave kind of perspective of, of healing people and helping people heal themselves. So let me know what you think about this episode. If it triggers you, I invite you to breathe deep through through the episode and have a journal by your side. Take notes. This is definitely one of those episodes that you're going to want to reflect on and take notes as you're listening because things are going to pop up and you're going to have maybe some some memories or some some inner shadow work or child um work that you are working through, and it's just going to rise to the surface as you're hearing this very um, anchored and strong and passionate uh, conversation. So really do that for yourself. Take notes, journal while you're listening to the episode. Like I said, she has a way with words, and you're going to feel her energy. It's super strong, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's just get right into it, this episode with Stacy Hoke. So, yeah, let's just dive right into it. Um, I found you on YouTube, and I've been watching your videos for a few months. I know you've been you've been at it for longer than that, but I don't know. something just was screaming at me to reach out to you. I think the 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 video that really caught me was the video about um, isolation and depression, and I don't know I just feel like you were speaking to me and the people who listen to this podcast are um very much into obviously mental health mental wellness um and I get a lot of questions about you know um oh, I'm, I'm so inspired by your journey with spiritual isolation and spiritual solitude and I'm like I don't know if I'm the best person to explain all this and then when I saw your video I just like fell in love with the way that you articulate things so um, are you
1: talking about the um I think I titled it Isolation and the Empath. Is that what you were talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but before we get into that, um, if you just want to tell the audience what you do, a little bit what, about what you do and um, your, your vibe and your work.
1: Sure. Well, one, I'm a writer. That's like my number one soul. That's my dharma on the planet. But I am a reformed psychotherapist turned life coach. Um, I come from a background of what we would modernly call narcissistic abuse but I like to call us who have experienced that narcissistically confused people because those of us who are raised or encountered somebody who is um, that archetype later in life we understand that like the whole premise is like oh my god it's so confusing like there you could say it's abuse like all abuse basically is narcissistic abuse but It created in my demographic, our personality is we're super wired into how everybody else is feeling and thinking and not necessarily in our own firm position of who we are. And the work of recovery or self-discovery is to establish who we are without all of those projections that we swallowed in the mirror of life. So my work is actually more aligned with epigenetics which is the idea that actually what's true is nurture changes our physiology nurture changes our nature so it's great to know that okay well i come from a lineage which this is what epigenetics is the lineage comes and my lineage is codependent and narcissistic people and then they give birth to my mother right and then she's like both of those things in the same person that's why i say wherever you find a narcissist you're going to find a codependent because that narcissist is codependent with something outside of themselves and it might be an empty thing, but they never had anything to plug into. So the codependent is ambivalently trying to plug into something and the narcissist is like, Oh yeah, well this is great because they're plugging into me. They're paying attention to me. I am getting some sort of fuel, right? So it's not that they're bad. It's not that they're wrong. It's that they're trying like an addict is trying to soothe the wound, soothe the feelings. They're doing that in their relationships, and so is the codependent. So I work with codependent empaths who are, um, we actually, what we need to do is embrace a little bit more of the narcissist in us because what I have discovered after working for years and years and years is that we, um, as codependent empaths, we use shame to not teeter to the side of grandiosity. And narcissistically aligned people use grandiosity to not teeter to the side of shame. But if you look at that from a blueprint perspective of how the psyche works, it is a blueprint, it is a pattern, it has a densification and form in the physical body. We can look objectively at that and go, okay, here's my part of this dance. And if I come to center, I'm not going to be attracting all of these kinds of relationships in my mirror. So my work is, to understand that the story of our lineage, that is written in me. Like, we're not born a blank slate. I am born the daughter of a mother who was narcissistically abused who watched her mother codependently stay with her father while he beat her, raped her children, um, had children with her sister outside of their marriage, and she stayed with them, okay? So that cellular story is written in me. I don't mentally stand a chance. Right? Unless I do the work to be normal. Because us people who come from lineages like that, we go, oh my God, I'm an alien dropped on this planet. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this shit is insane. So, my work is to do the work that I've done it within myself to just stabilize and to stop focusing so much on my mother's mental health because I was, you know, that was the thing. You grow up with somebody who's that like ambivalent, who tells you you're a piece of shit and you just wanna please them. And you grow up going, oh, I'm a piece of shit. I have to please everybody. And you negate yourself. So I work with people who understand that. And I assist them in the energetics behind what's going on on a cellular level for them to stabilize.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's okay. So that's that's pretty much why I fell in love with your vibe because you, I feel like, Everything you just explained is basically reprogramming reconditioning, unconditioning and unprogramming, and like relearning yourself at, without um the identity of like how you were you know kind of raised because we don't it's not like we choose um to be raised in in those ways, and I feel like the basis of your work is shadow work and it's like and I, I know that this is huge in, in the self development world right now. And a lot of, you know, what I talk about is my own shadow work, but I love how you, I feel like you, um, you have a way of work with words that isn't your traditional therapist kind of energy, because I've been in and out of therapy, you know, for, for years, I took a lot, many years off and, um, the way that you fuse together the life coaching kind of energy and the therapy energy is really nice and refreshing because sometimes, um, and I've heard, I've heard many people say this, my therapist, you know, she just, she's just nodding her head or she's not really giving me substance. She's not telling, she's not telling me what to do. She's not that, not that you have to go to therapy to be told what to do, but like, you know, take the veil off and just be real. And I really just like bow down to you for that because that's what you are. And um, for the, for the people who are listening right now who maybe are confused with what codependency means, because I know that there's many different um, variations of it. How would you define codependency, just as like kind of a safe blanket?
1: codependency and my way of looking at it is the addiction to save somebody else from the wound that we ourselves needed to be saved from it's that simple it's uh, oh my god and we don't it's so subconscious but we go let me save you because nobody saved me and we might attract narcissists we might attract addicts but what we also do as a codependent then we we easily recreate addicts and we create narcissists because we're trying, we create situations in which then we become narcissistic where we have to cut somebody down just to save them from the wound that we ourselves weren't saved from. So Mm -hmm. if we are unhealed as a codependent, especially if we're empathic with other people, we are trying, we are addicted to the sensation of saving the world from the wound that we ourselves wanted so deeply to be saved from
0: yeah like we're all we're all kind of walking trauma and then we start to project it on other people and then we start to to, um, like wonder why our relationships aren't going that well or you know why why did every relationship go sour and it's because I feel in my personal experience when my shadow comes out um, and I don't know how to integrate it with somebody else. It's, it's really, it's like a mirror that you just can't, it's like a dirty mirror that you, you just can't see yourself clearly. And it's like really scary. But um, so like the majority of your work, would you say that you're, you're working with people who have mainly family trauma or relationship issues with with a you know addiction or narcissism or is it a combination of both like what would you say is um
1: it's very interesting so this is the way i would look at it so when i say okay you take these two archetypal people so and and i'm gonna use my own story in this but my grandfather purely narcissistic right like he is classically narcissistic my grandmother classic codependent my mother, who is their daughter, who was also the golden child, which is dangerous. That's a dangerous person to be in a family system. It's dangerous to be the golden child and the scapegoat. Um, and and then she gives birth to me. And she's literally classically narcissistic, literally classically codependent. And some people, it's so divisive, right? In our culture, and the self-help work, it's like, oh my God, he's a narcissist. Stay away from them. Well, guess what? That's creating narcissistic people. And studies show narcissistic people are actually happier. So if you want to be integrated, right, which is the, this work, it is to the shadow work is to recognize that they're both within us. And we try to cut that part of ourselves out. We try to be like, no, I'm not going to be like that. And no, that's not me. But what we have to do, the only way we can change something is if we accept it first. So we, and when people say, cut out the narcissist, cut out your family systems, cut out this, it's like, okay, you do that. And it's not going to last very long because guess what? It's in your veins, girlfriend. Like that shit is not going away. You can rewrite the program, but that program you're going to operate on period, whether you like it or not. So you might as well accept it. You might as well integrate it. Um, The people that I tend to work with are the people who are raised in the combination or the people who, yeah, they are coming from lineages that were raised in a combination of um, feeling like, okay, I have this mother who's weak and this father who is aggressive and she stays anyway. So I hate my mother while simultaneously identifying with my father, who I think is a perpetrator, right? Um, And they're both in us. That weak aspect of ourselves, that that, that per, uh, predatory aspect of ourselves. So we're both the victim and the perpetrator at the same time. And when we enter relationships, because we don't know how to be in a steady relationship with ourselves, we either become the victim or the perpetrator. There's not a lot of in-between for the unintegrated person. So I work with people who basically have both sides running in their veins.
0: So when somebody comes into your practice, um, whether it's they're dealing with family trauma or, um, you know, relationship issues, or they're just trying to find themselves and understand why they are the way they are. Um, what's your protocol? Like how do you start helping people reprogram, deprogram, you know, swap out the files and everything? Like what's your, what's your first, you know, protocol or way to do it. Well, I suppose that that's why, you know,
1: it's funny that you said this about the way that I work and, you know, a traditional therapist is afraid, right? Because a lot of therapists go, we have the highest degree of mental illness in any field, right? So therapists, we enter therapy to try to heal ourselves. And then we're like, okay, I see myself in you. Mm -hmm, I'm going to nod at that because I don't really know what to do about that. And I have a client who's a psychologist. And yesterday she was like, I said something and I reflected something. And she said, this is why I love working with you instead of a normal quote unquote therapist, because you're willing to say that to me. My first thing that I will say is I show up. I reflect to them. This is what I see. And I am it's not a personality thing that I'm reflecting. It's an energetics. So the the personality is operating based on the energetics, but we don't often, not a lot of people are as in tune with the energetics behind the personality. Um, And I think that that was the benefit for me of being raised by a woman who's both codependent and narcissistic, because I could always see her in there. And I was like, just let me save you. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I can see what you're doing. Let me help you. And So I think that the first thing is obviously awareness does a lot for a human being, but I am willing to reflect and be an honest mirror instead of a, I'm going to poo-poo you and act like you're a victim. Like some people don't like to work with me for that reason, because they're like, well, I want you to let, I want you to say he's an asshole. Well, yeah, I'll say he's an asshole. He might be an asshole. And what's your part in the dance? Right. On the floor with the asshole. Let's look at that. Like you like to smell some shit. Right. (laughs) So let's look at that part.
0: Yeah, because when you're stepping into therapy, you're not, you're not, it's like something drove you there because you know that something within you is not feeling right. And you're not going to therapy to fix the other person. You're trying to figure out how to, you know, deal with the triggers and deal with all the things that are going on in in, in life. And um, for, for someone who is dealing with a lot of trauma, say from their past. Um, maybe some of it's not even family related. Maybe it's just you know these toxic relationships or sexual assault or sexual abuse or just really crazy times in in school and college. Like, what would what would your best you know way of going about that be for someone to release the past? You know. It seems so easy. It, and I'm, I'm a yoga teacher. I've been teaching for seven years and I, I'm always saying, you know, it's release the past, it's in the past, but it's easier said than done. Like, how do you really go about that?
1: Well, my first inclination is not to release it, it's to accept it. Right. So if, like in the work of Ken Wilber, who I love, he calls them holons, where like every stage of the self, is in there. So when we do inner child work, a lot of people go, oh my God, I'm like carrying around my little inner child and I'm like helping it by saving it. But the you as a child, you didn't necessarily just need somebody else to come save you. You needed somebody to come sit with you and see what you see. Like that's why I always wanted siblings, because I wanted to sit at the table and be like, are you seeing how fucked up this is? Like what is going on here? So to integrate the past by accepting, okay, this is a particular stage and i don't need to cut it out of myself i don't need to release it i need to actually integrate it and let it be what it is which is the past right but that past lives in me and i can then in like concentric circles i can say okay there's my inner child okay there's my adolescent there's my college years and this is where i am now and all of those are me all of those created me and the wound that we get is the wound that we needed. And it's, it's funny because I am way more spiritually inclined to say, actually, we do choose our parents. It's not just that we didn't choose to be raised that way.
0: I, on a soul level, I'm so grateful. I actually do believe in that as well. Um, I, I veer back and forth because when I think to how I was raised and my parents, I'm like, wow, I really got the best parents specifically crafted for me because i'm doing this work and it it it's all because of that and i was raised really well like i you know it's not my story could be a lot worse and um i think that's something to say as well like some people go to therapy and they're like well i don't know why i feel like this like my childhood was was fine you know typical divorce my my parents divorced or you know typical um things um lies and remarriage and whatever but some people go into therapy thinking well why am i so fucked up if i feel like my childhood wasn't that fucked up you know and it's then i feel like it's a lot of digging um and unconscious unconsciously like trying to see what what really happened and i feel like that's a lot of the shadow work as well because when we're younger like in my personal experience i feel like i wasn't aware and now that i'm aware and I'm an adult everything's starting to come together and piece together like oh like that wasn't normal or that's kind of like and, and what you were just saying with all the parts of you the pieces of you like your adolescence your college your your child so do you think that those different parts of yourself are showing up to different scenarios in in one's life like do you think that Do you think that when you're, when you're in therapy with somebody, you can actually like decipher these? It's so funny because
1: we do, like everybody has multiple personalities. Like everybody has many different parts of, and that's integration, right? Like that's the point of therapy. And I'm not, you know, DID in our field is like this really big thing. And some people literally embody it differently and they're not even close to integration, but we all have that. Right? Um, there was something that you said earlier that is making me think that I wanted to say something different. Oh, that's what ourselves. it is. That's what it is. Okay. So when you're talking about I have this normal childhood and then here's my adolescence and here, blah, blah, blah. Um, there is a whiplash effect that you could call PTSD or whatever. But like when you say, oh, now I'm aware. And I wasn't aware then that that person touching me wasn't normal. I just thought like, oh yeah, this is fun. Or this is like what we do. And now I go, oh shit. Like that wasn't normal. There's almost, you know, we're not in trauma usually when we're actually in the trauma. It's when we think, when we look back and go, holy shit, my survival mechanism kicked in like crazy and I'm still in it. So there's this almost whiplash effect that we, that is what pivots the personality into changing to be something else than it was from its original form right and that is how personality is created is when it pivots because it goes oh my god i'm i'm actually aware and that thing in our culture constitutes like and, and if we look at it like purely when it comes to sexuality in the samoan culture they allow their children to play sexually basically from the time that they're born they don't have sexual predators in their in their culture, and it's because they in, the, in their culture they normalize sexuality, wow. so we, it wouldn't be trauma bonding to have children who are sexually playing together the way that it is in our culture,
0: yeah. so
1: yeah. it's yeah. also cultural, and it's the whiplash effect of going, oh, in my culture that wasn't normal, and now I feel traumatized because now I realize I wasn't normal, or that thing happened to me and it wasn't normal.
0: Right. Yeah. And then once the blindfold's off, you can't really take the, put the blindfold back on. So it's like, you're constantly waking up to like, you know, I think meditation too really gets you there and it like expands your mind. And sometimes you go places that you didn't really want to go. And, um, I, I kind of want to pivot into a different kind of topic. Well, they're all kind of the same, but when you have someone that comes into your practice and they are isolated and they are depressed, but they are, they're not at their worst. Like their, their mental health is, is okay, but they, they're just, they, they want to get out of like the isolation and and the depression. Can you like talk a little bit about that? Like why somebody, you know, like for me, for me, like just to use me as an example, I have a podcast, I teach yoga. I'm, so sh- sociable, but like online more, you know. And I wasn't like this before in college. I was drinking and drugging and, you know, like party um, extrovert. And then something happened when I became sober, when I became, you know, not interested in having toxic sex or toxic relationships. And now I feel like, in my experience, and I know that a lot of people might resonate, I have a wall built up and i'm like don't talk to me no like i'm it's like something has tainted me almost like how how do you break through that in your in your opinion
1: well there's a couple of ways to look at that and one is discernment right like so if you you come to me to work with me that means to me that you're actually seeking connection right so right there I personally don't work with people who are so far in the hole. Like I have to work with people who are one step behind me, right? Because I was down that fucking hole and I got myself out and I'm no longer willing as the codependent to go all the way down that hole with somebody just to pull them out. I have to be with somebody who's willing to, I can reach down a hand and be like, Hey, come on up here. This is what we're going to see together. I'm going to bring you to this world. Um, I know the world that you're in, but you got to come up. So what that means to me is that anybody who would even come to me, is using their discernment to seek the connection that feels like is going to actually expand them. So I get it when we say, okay, well, you're not for me. And it feels like we're like isolating and we're going, Oh my God, I'm like kind of an asshole because like I don't really like people or I don't want you in my world. Um, But I look at that at present day as discernment, not isolation. So I discern who I want to bring into my world. I discern what territories I'm willing to step onto that are outside of myself and my own territory that I want to explore. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: sometimes that looks like I haven't met a soul in a a hundred years that I feel is um, either safe enough or aligned enough with where I am. And I let that be okay. Yeah. Because we also have to look at it like there's different seasons and there's different chapters. And we can judge ourselves and say, like, well, I'm kind of an asshole. I should be more like I used to be and blah, blah, blah. But it's a phase. And for whatever reason, if somebody comes to me, the first thing is not to try to get rid of the phase or get them out of the phase. It's to get them in the phase so much that they accept that this is where they are and that they can practice their own use of attempting to connect with discernment, period.
0: I love that. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause we get so caught up in judging ourselves. Like we're not, you know, we're not sociable enough or, you know, if, if you want to meet somebody, you have to put yourself out there. And I guess there's a fine line between just feeding into your fears, I guess. Like if you've been, if you just had so many shitty friendships and relationships, you know, stacked up on top of one another, I guess, it's easy to feed into the fear. Like, no, like I'm sick of people because everybody's hurt me or, but then you have to kind of, for me, at least in my experience, I need to sit back and be like, well, why am I attracting people who are shitty or narcissistic or throwing me away like garbage? And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that. Like, is there something wrong with me because I'm attracting these people? And then that leads to isolation. So it's kind of like this this cycle that is that i'm trying to like pinpoint like how to break you know well that's the work, right because you actually feel isolated even from yourself yeah
1: so our that is the thing is that we attract relationships on the external world in the mirror of life that are um reflective of our ability to be in a relationship with ourselves And if we have an ambivalent relationship with ourselves, we go, I don't have anything to give. They're going to take something from me. Um, I don't like them because I don't know what they want from me. And then we start to perform and then we're exhausted because we're like, oh, this is a fake performance. And I don't even know what they want from me. And I don't even like them in the first fucking place. And why am I giving it to them? Exactly. Yeah. That says to me that you're not giving yourself those same things that you would, you know, that you think they're trying to take from you. It means to me that you're uh, isolated even from yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the truth. I think you were saying that in, in the episode or not in the episode, in the video, um, that if you're going to wear masks, I think this is how you kind of articulated it. Like if you, if you're going into a friendship or a connection with a mask, then you're kind of fucking yourself over from the start. And I think, so would you say like before you start letting people in, then I guess you just really need to understand who you are and Um, I think the more aware that I become, um, the more kind of like, I don't want to say grossed out, but the more aware I become, I'm like, oh wow, like I'm this way, like holy shit, you know? And I'm just like, it's, it's like a hyper awareness. It's almost like, okay, you're, you're totally analyzing yourself way too much and that's anxiety, but like, it's hard to, it's hard to separate myself from that from hyper-awareness of my personality and my traits and my things that I'm trying to let go of and then just like letting it be and not worrying so much about, you know, the past relationships and the past traumas and how he fucked me over last year. And, you know, like, cause that can taint somebody's trust and then that's like not good. So like- Well, it taints your trust in your
1: own inner reality. Yeah, right? so the weekend's like, yeah. he fucked me over, but what the subconscious says is, I fucked myself over by choosing that relationship.
0: This episode is sponsored by Tonic Vibes CBD. Tonic offers CBD blends that use organic sun-grown hemp flower from their family-run farm in upstate New York. Their original formulations were first developed by Tonic's founder, Brittany Carbone, to help manage her own anxiety and depression that she was suffering with herself. Combining plant-based ingredients like ashwagandha, black seed oil, lemon balm, and passion flower, their soulfully crafted botanicals work with the CBD to restore our body's essential balance. The magic is in the love and intention that goes into each of their products from seed to shelf. And I have personally been using their... Tinctures for almost two years now. It's one of the first companies that I actually reached out to and was super interested in their company because I loved their marketing. I loved their Instagram. I am obsessed with all that obviously since I went to school for that um, and I loved how they were packaging their stuff. It has a really Um, light vibe when I look at their Instagram, and it's female-owned. It's a family-owned small company, uh, and it's just amazing. It's one of my top tincture companies that I work with, and My favorite tinctures are the OG tincture, the tonic OG that has ashwagandha in it, black seed oil, tastes so good. Um, It's more of an awakening, uplifting tincture. I like to take it in the morning. And then I love their chill one, which is not as sweet. Um, It has the passion flower and lemon balm in it still, but it's more of a nighttime tincture. And of course, you can take these during the day as well and in the morning, but That's just how I do it, and I love their tinctures so much. They also do little roll-on topicals, and they are doing CBD flower as well. So I really recommend getting into Tonic, as it's one of my favorite companies. Obviously, I have them sponsoring the podcast, and I love them so much. So if you want to check out tonicvibes.com, you can go purchase anything from their website and use discount code GYPSYLOVE for a discount at checkout. That's tonicvibes.com, and you can use discount code GYPSYLOVE, G-Y-P-S-Y-L-O-V-E, for a discount at checkout. So it's not the external world that we're
1: trying to, and even so, even hearing you say, like, oh, I'm trying to, like, get rid of these parts of myself or whatever, I'm trying to change these parts of myself. We cannot change what we don't accept. And it seems so counterintuitive, but this is like the whole industry at current is like, live your best life, change, blah, blah, blah. But if you're somebody, and I would encourage everybody on this podcast to check out my Facebook, because if you're somebody who has went to war with perfectionism, living a a mediocre life is a feat. Like you've won the battle. If you're willing to meet yourself in the center and be like, I'm just an ordinary everyday person. And I don't have to be perfect. So we have this live your best life. And then we feel like, oh, because I see that potential, I'm supposed to do that. And if I don't, I'm failing. Yeah. Fuck that. What we need to do is get into where we are. Like, this is wh- where I am. This is who I am. This is how I've been. I see it. And you can go, I'm grossed out by that. Okay. But now that you see it, you're actually weirdly, you're distant enough to see it uh, like from a, a larger Centrical concentrical circle, right? so there's a gap in between actually what you're seeing and what you've been, and in that gap, you have the opportunity to fill yourself with who you desire now to show up
0: and who you desire to show up for you that is you right like that awareness in itself is kind of like the pivot to like you know just i get I like how you just said that like kind of like meet yourself where you are, like stop. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I tend to dig myself in holes and ruminate on things I want to change. And, you know, just like what you said, like this, this whole industry is like, you know, find your passion and like, like be heard and be seen and and Instagram. It's just like, it's such a mind fuck and everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants to be seen and everybody wants to heal. So it's hard to, you know, if you're in a place of darkness, if you're in that shadow, if you're having a really rough phase, it's hard to, to meet people and show them that part of you, because then it's like, oh, well, this part of me is not okay. And like, who, who the hell is going to want to deal with this depressed part of me, you know? So it's like, it's, you got to find your people and you got to find the people who, I guess, are in tune with that darkness too. I don't know. What, what well, we do. let's
1: look at it like this, because I hear what you're saying, but there's also something that is important, which is you are aware enough to want to keep other people safe from where you are and that says a lot about the person that you are so just like keep that in your back pocket because yeah if you are even aware enough to say like i don't I don't want to be walking around an open gaping wound and this is the place I come into my relationships from. Again, that dark place using discernment is not like, oh, I can bring these people into my fucked up world and this is going to be great because we're going to like bury ourselves in this hole together. It's, I am aware, I want to keep the world safe from this and it's hard Uh, when we feel so distant from normal people, we're like, oh my God, they look like they like have their shit together. That's very (laughs) annoying because like, they're not like, what is that? Um, that's hard because it feels so foreign to us, but we have to keep, we have to keep our eye on that, that like, actually I'm a person who wants to keep these people who already know the darkness safe from myself. And I want to keep my eye on these people who are in the light somehow. And how the fuck they got there, I don't know. And it's very, the ego goes, oh my God, I hate them, right? Like how'd they (laughs) get there? I hate this person. But they got there and they didn't get there because they didn't face the darkness. Like it's so easy for us to be like, oh my God, they have it easier and blah, 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 blah. Like that's my trigger. I have self-pity and envy are like Stacey Hoke screaming self-pity and envy. My subconscious mind is always like, I hate those people who had it easier than me. But if, if we keep our eye on them and go, actually they've been in this hole that I'm in and we discern it, like what we actually like about them, who, who we want, how we would like to be like them. Your personality is somebody that's saying, I wanna keep these people safe because I don't wanna be in this hole. And I wanna, keep, I wanna actually pull these people out of the hole that I'm in. So let me just keep my eye a little bit on the light, even if it's like somebody who's a little bit brighter than where we feel. Cause we can't look at people who are like so far distant that we're like, oh my God, they all, they totally have their shit together. It's like a little bit brighter than where I am, because I understand that they understand my darkness, mm-hmm. but they, they've somehow gotten a little bit more fuel. If we can do that, we're being an awesome person because we're wanting to keep them, these people over here who are in the hole and ourselves safe from the hole that we dug ourselves into. Mm-hmm. And if we just focus on a little bit more light and keep following that little bit more light, we're going to be good to go.
0: I like what you said about um, walking around like an open wound, because I feel like that is like the perfect description of what it feels like to be a depressed person. And when I'm in my room and I'm doing my things, I feel great. I'm, you know, I'm happy. I'm journaling. I'm I'm recording, editing. I'm in in the zone. Um, And then when I step out and I go places, I feel like it's just apparent people can just tell like, oh, that girl's dark, that girl's depressed, that girl's miserable.
1: No, you're that person projecting that though. And that's the interesting thing, right? Like you are walking around going, they think I'm this. And all of a sudden you swallow that projection and feel like you're that.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So those people, which is interesting. Like I always have to tell my kids, I have two teenagers who I'm like, they're not thinking about you at all. Nobody gives a shit about your existence. I'm sorry to say that, but it's true. (laughs) These people aren't thinking about you. You are projecting onto them that they think this thing about you. And then you become, "Mm, I do it too. Right. Like, and that's the work to be like, no, I'm going to humble myself to the reality that these people don't actually care. Right. And they're hard for their own shit. Everybody's in their own little world and everybody's like actually egocentric. And if I have that projection, that's the reflection I'm getting in the mirror. So you don't have that projection. And I would suggest for you doing some mirror work, if you're not already doing mirror work, because if you can look at yourself in physical form, it's easy to to be like, oh, I'm in the flow when I'm in my spiritual essence. But if you can see the physical package of a human body in front of you and look at it and say, I don't see you as depressed. I actually see you as somebody who is loving and somebody who is desiring and blah, blah, blah. All of those things that you say, the industry says, okay, like be passionate, be desirous, blah, blah, blah. all of that stuff is great. It's a byproduct of the work of knowing yourself. So it's hard when we're spiritual beings in a package that we don't trust other people's packages because they've hurt us. Mm -hmm. And in that way, mirror work would be great because you can see the package and then you can go out into the world and be like, I recognize that what I'm projecting onto them is literally what I'm getting back, what I'm feeling from them.
0: Right. And I feel like, too, with that, like, as an empath, um, as a spiritual being, as a yoga teacher, I've been kind of self-trained and self-taught that when I go into a room and I'm teaching yoga, I need to make that a comfortable space for everybody. Like, I need to make sure that everybody feels welcomed, feels safe, feels comfortable. And I tailor, I don't want to say I tailor my energy, but I, I, I do kind of feel out, like, You know, where everybody's at energetically, at least. And I feel like everybody, even if you're not like a teacher or a spiritual person, like does that. Like when you're around certain people, like how you're saying everybody has multiple personality disorder, you know, everybody has multiple masks and personalities that they kind of mold for different people when you're around different people. And I think it's hard to, to like really know who you are when, you know, because when I'm teaching yoga, I'm like, this is who I am. I feel like this, like I'm really connected to like my highest self. And then when I leave, I'm like, man, I feel like a fake because that's the only like room that I feel like really connected to that. And then, you know, no, I don't know. It just, it's really interesting too. And then when you're around family, then a whole other personality comes out. So it's like really hard to calibrate it all. And like, who am I? You know like, well, let's look at it this way, because purely from a biological perspective, we are
1: wired to be entrained with other people's nervous systems. We can't get away from that, right but and I don't know what your spiritual beliefs are, but when I when we think about being the empath, right? like Jesus was an empath, Buddha was very likely an empath. and projection is dangerous only when it's coming from the ego. so in those ways, when we can Feel into our nervous system. Understand that it's feeling into other people's nervous systems. But when we project from the space that Jesus would have projected from or Buddha would project from, which is like we're all super here. And it makes sense that you would be in a room with a whole bunch of people who are desiring self-growth and feel good about yourself. And then you leave and you're like, oh, I left. And like, I don't even know if I made a contribution. I don't even, bleh. like, I don't know who I am unless I'm standing in front of them. And does that make me phony or does that make me something? You are wired to their immune systems or I'm sorry, their nervous systems. And then you leave and you're empty because all you're left with is your own nervous system. Yeah, so I'll in like that. that moment, you have to be in relationship and communion with your own nervous system right? Like this is not purely a spiritual journey. Your, your spirit is inside of your nervous system, which is connected and wired to other people's nervous systems who are also spiritual beings with minds that have psyches and blah, blah, blah. So we have to understand that like when we say we don't know who we are, it's, it's actually an adaptation that our nervous system is in training with other people. So we have to put our nervous system in environments in which when we entrain, we feel really good. And then when we leave, we don't go, oh, I feel fake because that just happened to me. We go, okay, let me take the snapshot of an imprint of the nervous system I had when I was leading and training yoga and bring that in my car with me. And let me actually like take my nervous system and maybe and train with the music and maybe like, we have to literally be in a relationship with our nervous system instead of letting it just like run the show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. And I guess anybody, like whatever thing it is that That you do, that like is your passion or sparks joy. When you're not doing that thing, you can't fall into a hole of, you know, I'm I'm useless, I'm worthless, I'm an imposter, like imposter syndrome. Everybody's talking about it, and it's like, but why? Like, why does everybody feel like such an imposter? You know, like, um, I feel like that's that has to do kind of with like childhood trauma, maybe, and not feeling good enough. And, you know, not, not having enough validation or something in my experience. But I mean, I I
1: think the imposter syndrome, I feel that way every day of my life. Okay. I'm not trying to cut that out of myself. I understand that what's true is, uh, and this is my belief, is that every sentient being, every blade of grass, every flower, anything that has life on the planet is a channel of God itself. It is. We are not just a vessel in pure potentiality. We are the field of pure potentiality. So when we come in and we're only one individual, we're like, wait, this is an imposter. Because wait, I think that what's true is I am the creator. Like this doesn't feel, this, I'm limited. I don't understand how I'm like in this body. It's so small. And this is like, I am an imposter in a material form, right? Yeah. So that imposter syndrome... I, I don't know that that's something that goes away for people and i for myself have not tried to say thing i want to get rid of this is just a thing that exists in the human condition and maybe that is because i'm picking up on everybody else's psyche and all of us feel that way but that is probably the nature of having an ego and it might be that simple
0: yeah yeah wow (laughs) So when you are doing this work, what, like, what's like the most useful kind of tools that you can offer someone when they're really trying to just be okay with who they are and not let go of the past, like what you said, embrace it and, you know, kind of move towards right now like what what's the how would you go about like integrating that into into life outside of the therapy room
1: oh you mean like what tool would I give them to move forward on their own
0: like yeah like you know it, when you're talking to somebody I'm sure that you kind of give different options to people like okay when
1: you let me stop you for one second
0: because
1: I want to like, this is what is true. And it seems annoying and it seems a little bit, maybe even shallow to say this, but the greatest tool, it's no different than the inner child aspect that I was talking about before. Like, I'm not coming to save you. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to be with you. Right. I love that. And it's that simple. And that tool alone, people go, wait, you're with me. And I'm an asshole and I'm dark. And I'm that, yep. I'm right here with you. Doesn't make me any less lovable. It doesn't make anything. And that alone is somebody's wired to my nervous system, which is dangerous for me. I have to be very careful about who I work with, but somebody's wired to my nervous system and I'm willing to be with them where they are. And that alone does so much for people who've never, ever, ever, ever had somebody actually just fucking be where they are with them. Yeah. And that takes them, that rewires a little bit in the nervous system. And then they go out in the world and they go, oh, wait, she can be with me. So, and I actually like her. I think she's pretty cool. That means these people might be able to be with me too.
0: Yeah. And maybe I can actually be with myself.
1: Huh. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. So just the fact that you're there with them, you're accepting them, you're, you're not trying to like question the things that they do and give, like tell them what to do. You're just like allowing them to.
1: Well, I like, definitely like, question the things that they do, but for them, not for me.
0: Right, right. For them to like see it in a different way. Yeah, that's, and I think that's something that you have um, a, a, a special kind of energy with. Um, not to not to talk down to any therapists or different modalities, but like when when somebody feels like They're just constantly being questioned, questions, questions, questions. Oh, how do you feel about that? Or how do you, you know, instead of just being there with, with you, like, I really admire that, but, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And I kind of want to, one last thing I wanted to talk about is, um, Saturn return. Um, I know that you're spiritual. And a lot of the listeners are in their Saturn return. So like 28 to 31 or whatever, I just turned 30. And it was just like a really intense, intense um, awakening. And just to paint a picture, um, now I'm staying with my mom and my stepdad temporarily. I needed to take a break, I needed to step back, I needed to really focus on my health, my mental health, my physical. Um, And it was like, I think that the Saturn return is just like a screaming um, of what you need to really focus on. So would you have any, could you talk about that a little bit? Like for people who are in their late 20s, early 30s, like what would be like your, your main kind of advice or, you know, just, any knowledge that you've that you've built up through yours
1: um god that would be hard to say because it's really based on individuals but what I what I my first thought is we are living in a time where I feel more bad for my kids than I actually did for myself my daughter's like oh my god you know life is like it was harder for you because you actually had to face people like when I I was a teenager I was like bitch I'll fight you right like (laughs) Well, like that existed. There wasn't the subconscious manipulation of like online like bullying and all of that stuff. So we're living in a time where we see outside of ourselves this image of potentiality and then we feel diminished because oh my God, I'm 30 years old. I thought I was supposed to be something that I'm not. Right. Like I thought that when I was 30 I'd be an adult, which like apparently that shit never happens. It never comes about. Like we never are gonna feel like an adult. And we thought when we were kids, oh, my mom, she's 30, she's an adult. And then we're 30 and we're like, I don't feel anything like my mom did because she was a different, one, it was a different culture, different generation, but she was faking it, right? Right. We live in a time where there's a lot of, um, I'm not saying anybody's faking it. I mean, social media is a real thing and people really use their actual lives, but we're also showing this, we're showing our potential More than our actual.
0: (laughs) I love that. Wow, holy shit. Yeah, like we're we're projecting what we want to be, and like that. I guess that's the highlight reel type thing that we're projecting. Yeah. And so we. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I love that.
1: Well, the 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 thing is for people in our like I'm 35, and the thing is in people in our in our culture in our world we have to just keep a pulse on that and remember that. Cause it's so easy to be like, I'm not where I should be. Yeah. And if I was more of this, then I could have that. Um, and w- then that sets us up really for failure because we negate what we have for the sake of something that we don't have. And then we're always in deficit matrix.
0: Right, and then who the fuck makes those rules anyways? Like, like I, I am your perfect example of what you just said. I'm 30 and I'm staying with my mom and my stepdad, not in a million years. If you told me that I was, would be here 10 years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy. I would never live with them, <laughs> you know, temporarily, whatever month, month, two months doesn't matter. Now I'm like, it's time to, it's time to just be like, I, I don't want to think, Oh, I'm not here. I'm not there. I don't have my own place. This, that, like who the fuck makes these rules. And I think that's a like, what you just said is a huge part of it. It's like, detaching from the expectation of where we're supposed to be and just like meeting us where we are.
1: Well, sure. And look at where you are. Like I'm looking at your own place, girlfriend. I can see your own little place and you're going, Oh, this isn't mine. It's my mom's. But like, what's true on a universal level. is like, you're taking up space in that room. You are imprinting that room. That's your own little space. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to negate that. So that is the work. It's like when we don't accept what is, we cannot change it because we don't face the reality and we're only looking at the deficit and we're trying to get somewhere without legs, right? Like we're buried underneath the, the ground going, oh my God, I want to get to the sun, but I don't even have legs to get there. And what gives us legs is the acceptance of where we actually are, what we actually are, where we've been, how we've been there. And then, and only then, do we have the legs to stand and move and then create and build layer by layer brick by brick a staircase to the sun
0: i love that that's amazing so just anchoring and like accepting where you are that's going to be the, the medicine to transcend instead no. of like fighting and resisting and you know why <laughs> you know it's it's exhausting yeah I and, and here's
1: the thing for you too like on a personal level you should be grateful To your own soul for making the discernment choice to have your own place with your mom and your stepdad right now. Yeah, It's so hard to be grateful when we're looking out and going, I should or I could have that thing, but you can be in gratitude even for yourself for knowing what you needed and giving
0: it to yourself. And listening and and kind of diving into a triggering atmosphere, even though, you know, because me, when I was in high school living with them, was way different you know i and i it's it's really it's interesting to to see like, oh, I can handle this way way better because I'm an adult and I can get through it and it's it's a different phase of life and gratitude like what you just said all it's that's what's actually getting me through. It's like, thank God I have a mom, thank God I have a home here who who, who and she's helping me, and you know like not everybody does.
1: Yeah, that's true. And another thing I want to just say is we, the same way that we want change and we want people like you, I'm sure it's like, except that I'm 30, like I'm a changed person, but we don't look at the people in our lives and give them the same permission to change. We still look at them as if, oh, she's the mom who I had in high school. And this is annoying and triggering, right? Like, no, she's not. She's not even close to that person.
0: She's changed immensely. Yeah, that's such such a good point. I love that. Everybody everybody changes. We just have to give people a chance to change and not like attach to the the past and past versions of them and yeah. Would you say that you're at, you're at that place now with with people in your family?
1: Oh my god. I would suggest everybody who's listening to this and resonates reads my book Imperfectly Sane because Uh, What I will say is, like, my mom was incredibly abusive um, in every single way, put me in the most dangerous fucked up situations. And I wanted, of course, to, like, make her feel the pain that she made me feel, but I knew, I always knew, and this is why I became codependent. I wanted to save her. I always knew she was doing that out of her own wound. And I... Told my parents when I was a kid, I threatened them with, like, when I grow up, I'm going to write about this. And in my book, I talk about this. That one time, the only time I ever had a journal, I was nine years old and I wrote that I liked a boy. My mom ripped my journal because I was like writing and she like could feel that like I was writing something I didn't want her to read. She ripped it out of my hand, went in the bathroom, locked the door, and read it and was screaming. I was pounding on the door as a nine year old girl, crying. She was screaming, My daughter's a whore. My daughter's a whore. And I never wrote again. I, um, I wrote when I was in seventh grade, I was an in-school suspension because I was an asshole because like, fuck you all. I'm going to do what I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in in-school suspension and I wrote and the ISS lady sent a formal letter to my mom that my mom never even told me about until I was an adult saying your daughter is such a gifted writer, blah, blah, blah. But I never wrote again because I didn't want her to use it against me. Right. And I, I used to threaten when I'm an adult, I'm going to write about this. And <laughs> they, my parents told me, if you do that, we will disown you and basically we will sue you. And I got to a place where like I wrote my book and two years later, I, like my soul was just like, dude, you have to do it. Like it's not a changed story until you do it. And I wrote to my mom and I wrote to my father and I was like, basically, I, the approach was different for both. But what I said to my mom was, you always wanted to be somebody's muse. Like I tapped into her inner child. Oh my God, it's going to make me cry even thinking about it. Because I know how wounded she is. And I said, you've been that for me, mom. Like, let me, let me just be that. And I basically said, whether you let me or not, I'm doing it. You can sue me. You can disown me. This has to be done on a soul level. I know it has to be done. And I did a Kickstarter for my book and you cannot even imagine the fall to my knees when i saw my mom's name show up on that fucking list of people wow um i know because my mom is classically would classically be considered somebody with narcissistic not even narcissistic like tendencies narcissistic personality disorder Change is possible, and I gave her that change by projecting a different story onto my mother. I know that change is possible. I believe in it so much, and that's why I do the work that I do because this whole divide of people who goes, Oh, narcissists are evil and codependents are this way, and codependents are somehow the saving grace, and they're better than narcissists. No, it's all the same. It's the same pattern, and neither of those patterns know themselves, they only know their own ego. So I believe in in so many ways that change is possible. And yes, I have rewritten a story with my lineage, not just with my mother, but with my grandmother and with her father, like the whole story is a whole new story. And it stops not with me, but with my children.
0: Wow. That's fucking beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That gives people a lot of hope and, you know, not to cut people out and say things are never gonna change. Like your story is literally the epitome of of what could be with healing and like your vulnerability is it's just captivating. Like your YouTube channel, I'm gonna link everything in the show notes, your Facebook, your YouTube channel, your book, um so that everybody can find you. And um I just really am so appreciative that you had this conversation with me and and shared your vulnerability and your story because that's a huge part of I feel like why I connected to you because you're just so open you're just like this is what fucking happened this is you know because some people aren't willing to share that part of them they're just they're just willing to share oh well this is how you can free yourself but like what about the what about the mud you know and and I, I really really honor you and respect that and I just. I just want to say thank you so much for for doing this. You're welcome. Alright, what did you guys think of that episode? Like, holy shit, my mind was blown several times during that conversation, and I'm probably going to listen to it again um, down the line because I I honestly feel like she rips apart some of these topics that are stigmatized and, you know, people just don't see it in a different way, and she really just understands the whole shadow work, trauma, childhood trauma, inner child work, and it's beautiful because you can see that it's obviously working for her, she has a beautiful, big family, and like I said in, in the intro, she is one of my expanders, and I really genuinely loved every minute of the conversation I had with her. So be sure to check her out, her YouTube. She has a Facebook community page. She's got a website where you can learn more about her. She's got her book. Uh, All of this is going to be linked in the show notes. And you can also follow her on Instagram. Uh, She does remote therapy sessions. Um, Sometimes you'll get lucky and she will have openings, but... Uh, you should you could email her if you're looking for that. Uh, she is a busy woman, but she has a lot of amazing videos on YouTube where she dives into these topics. So if you enjoyed this conversation and you want more, I recommend heading to her YouTube channel uh, Empower Us and there's tons of videos where she dives deeper into each different topic. So, It's really mind expansive. She's one of those people who just has something special. You know what I mean? So I hope you enjoyed it. And if you enjoyed this episode and you feel like someone in your life needs to hear this stuff, tag them, send them the episode, text it to them, screenshot it, tag, whatever you got to do, share it. Um, It's because of you guys that the podcast is thriving and... It's because of your rate, your ratings and reviews that really help the podcast rise to the surface organically. Um, it's just a one-woman show. I know I've said that a, b- a bunch of times on here, but it really is. It's just me, myself, and my computer, my mic, and usually my cat is with me when I'm recording, and I do everything. I edit, record, reach out to sponsors and uh, people I want to interview, so... The Vibe Within is truly my baby and it's yours as well. This podcast is yours because I create it for you and I love when you guys reach out to me on Instagram or email me and let me know how you're feeling or what's going on or if an episode really resonated with you. I definitely answer every DM that I get, every email, so feel free to reach out and let me know how you're doing. Um, Other than that, I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your morning, your afternoon, your evening, and really let yourself enjoy and find contentment and allow yourself to just be present instead of really worrying about where we should be or where society says that we should be or our family says that we should be. We are where we are. It is what it is. We're doing our best and we have to find the way to find happiness and joy and contentment in the little moments during the day and live our lives not just get through the day not just get through the night you know we should be living and really living so I'm just going to leave it at that I hope you enjoy the rest of this song peace
1: So far from home